Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE FM with live stream at communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness, from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you are stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Today I'm very happy to be with Laurie Kerbman, who is a management consultant, executive coach and a former attorney. If you might ask what has this to do with health, you will know soon because Laurie has agreed to share her struggle with Crohn's disease with us. Thanks Laurie for being on my show today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. And I'm very happy to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you grow up? Where did you grow up? And what did you do? Okay, well, um, I live in Montreal, Quebec. I've been here all my life. I've grown up here. I went to university here. Um, and although I've done extensive traveling, I always come back to Montreal because it's my home and, and this is a city that I love to live in. And um, I grew up, I was a very healthy child. Um, I really didn't have very many medical problems. Um, and then when I was about uh, 37, and, you know, at the height of my career, I was practicing law at the time, um, all of a sudden I felt like I had this horrible stomach flu. Mm. And it just wouldn't go away, and it was weeks, and it wouldn't go away. Uh, my GP told me it was there was some kind of virus going around, um, and then subsequently it was a month, and I was still ill, and I was uh, getting up to go to the washroom 20, 30 times a day. Uh, I was nauseous. I wasn't able to eat anything. I was really I I, I thought that I was going to die. I mm. just couldn't seem to, I couldn't get any nutrients. Did you lose weight? And, um, and then they treated me um, for all sorts of things. They gave me antibiotics. They said, well, I was in the islands, and maybe I picked something up. And then they thought, well, maybe it's a tapeworm. And then they thought, maybe it's um, a bacterial infection. And they just, for a year, they just pumped me with all different mm -hmm. kinds of medications. Nothing worked. And for the most part, they made me sicker. Mm -hmm. So did they ever do any diagnostics to find out if they're right with their suspicions? Uh, yep, they did diagnostics. It didn't show anything. Um, and then um, finally, I had, um, I mean, I'd had a colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. And um, at that time, they were finally able to confirm after about a year, they were finally able to confirm that, in fact, what I had was Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. And Crohn's disease, unfortunately, is almost a diagnosis um, by omission. It's almost like they have to go through these other diseases first. Um, and, and that's what happened to me. Um, but when I was, so I was off work for about a year. Um, I couldn't work. I couldn't take care of myself. I could barely do, you know, take care of my kids, the stairs in my house. How old were they, your kids at that time? 
my kids at the time were about uh, 7 and 11, so they were young, mm. you know, and they really didn't understand, like, you know, why mommy couldn't go out. You know, yeah, it's catastrophic. I, you can't go out of the house when you need no. to go stay in the, in, near the washroom. Yep. And it was like that. I mean, once mm-hmm. I finally was diagnosed and I was put on to cortisone, mm-hmm. um, within six weeks, I was feeling much better and I wasn't quite back to myself. It took mm-hmm. me about two years until I was able to really go back to work full time and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and sort of make a new life for myself with my, with my disease. Wow. That's, that's, that's some story. Uh, let me ask you something. I'm curious. Was there anything that preceded the onset of the disease, any event, any travels, anything special that you can pinpoint and say that's what caused it all? I'd love to be able to say that there is. The only thing that I can think of which has a slight relation is that um, I had a pain condition and so I was taking a lot of uh, ibuprofen, a lot of Mm -hmm. Advil, and apparently NSAIDs, which is Advil, mm-hmm. um, they are not very good, you know, for the digestive system no, if you take them too much. Not, yeah. And so that may have been a triggering factor, but it would have just been one of many triggering factors. Mm-hmm. Now, did they ever find out why uh, the Crohn's disease occurred and uh, if there's anything else on the bottom of it? Nope. No, they were never, they're not able to determine why. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, um, I sit, I sat on the board for about 15 years of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of Canada, mm-hmm. and they uh, invest a lot of money in doing uh, research to try and find the causes and to try and find the cures. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I've been, you know, doing a lot of work with them, and, and you know, they have come up with this, um, you know, with this concept that they know that it's really more than one factor. It really takes more than one mm-hmm. thing, um, you know, for it to be able to be a trigger. Part of it is environmental, and part of it is, um, you know, part of it is, is genetic. So let me ask you, what did you try to get better, what did work, what didn't work? I tried everything. I mean, I was pumped full of, you know, conventional medication. Mm. Um, um, And, you know, and that worked. But it was extremely toxic, and it really Mm. made me very sick. And um, I've always been into alternative remedies Mm -hmm. and alternative therapies. And so I found that I was able to really have a lot of success with, um, with probiotics mm-hmm. and with um, with uh, acupuncture mm-hmm. and with Reiki, mm-hmm. and I find those things were really exceptionally helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you try any other diagnostics like a delayed type food allergy test or anything like no. that? No, I didn't do anything like that. Okay, that's interesting that that you never tried that because I found great progress for my clients with stomach issues, autoimmune diseases, when they avoid their stomach triggers, because mostly it's what we call leaky gut, which officially is not existent, but uh, I find it makes a big difference. Uh, I don't doubt that it Mm -hmm. does. It's just something I haven't tried yet. Mm -hmm. But it's certainly worth looking into. Yeah, that's very interesting. So what are you taking now on any uh, any biologics? No, I actually right now 
take a lot of medication, but none of it for the Crohn's. Oh, good. I actually, I actually take medication um, really because of, you know, to deal with the side effects that I have from Crohn's disease and from the use of medication. So, mm-hmm. for example, cortisone sucks all the calcium out of right. your blood. Out of your bones, rather. And I was on cortisone for many yeah, years. So, yeah. you know, by the time I was, you know, 45, I had osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know if you know that, but I can relate very well to that because when I was 38, my back gave out and I became a chronic back pain patient and got steroid shots twice a year epidural. Right. And that helped for a few weeks and then it came back. Right. And after 10 years, I had osteoporosis. Yep. And I got myself healthy now, which I'm happy about with <laughs> with a mixture of conventional alternative methods. Right. And and uh, I'm I'm sharing all that knowledge now with my clients, which is very rewarding and uh I I I'm just curious uh how are you with your other illnesses now? Well, right now I have um, you know, left over from having taken the cortisone, mm-hmm. um, I have a chronic pain condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I take painkillers for mm-hmm. those. I have a prescription for yeah. which I take these, you know, and, moderate and I, I just want to let it let you know, if you don't feel comfortable sharing any of that, just let me know. Oh, no, I don't. I have no problems sharing, you know, anything that I can share yeah. that could possibly help even one person who's listening. I'm happy to share. Yeah, yeah. And and I know with the chronic pain condition, it's often a hassle. I mean, I took morphine and codeine for years and years, and it's not easy to get off it. No. No, it's really not. Yeah. And um, I take um, MTech, which is really Tylenol with massive doses of codeine yeah. in it, um, because I had tried Dilaudid and morphine, and, and although they worked, I found that I was, you know, I felt that I was too young to be mm-hmm. on those medications that, you know, at, at a, you know, at a point in time would come when I'd be older and I would need them. Um, I would have developed too much of a tolerance mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. So I decided to find something that was easier. And so what was easier was um, to take uh, painkillers mm-hmm. and to get a prescription for medical marijuana. Okay. How are your experiences with that? That's it's excellent because mm-hmm. I take the I take my pills during the day, mm-hmm. um, but I you know there's only so many pills that I want to take, and um, so I, I you know I use the the pot in the evening, mm-hmm. and um, so it takes away the pain and it also relaxes me. Mm-hmm. So I actually you know have it you know have the disease under control and pretty well managed, and um, you know and I have a whole slew of you know medications and things like that that are you know keeping yeah, me healthy. Yeah, so that's wonderful. Do you smoke the pot or do you use the CBD oil? Um, I smoke it, but I also have edibles. Yeah. So I have cookies and brownies and candies and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, I prefer to smoke. I use a little pipe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, there's been a lot in the media lately about CBD and uh, marijuana and that it has benefits for certain people. And it's, it yeah. is an anti-inflammatory and uh, it, it is an anti-pain agent and it can help uh, some people really a lot. Oh, yeah, it helps me totally. Yeah. And what's very interesting is that, you know, I've been smoking for years and my kids know that I'm sick and I smoked in front of my children because I wanted them to understand that it was mm-hmm. a medicine and it wasn't recreational. And my son said to me one day, he said, how come when you smoke, you don't get high? 
And I said to him, because when you use it as medication, it works as medication. So what it does is it takes away the pain. It's not going to give me a high. Mm -hmm. It just, it takes away the pain so that I can function and I can have a natural high, you know, and be happier with functioning. That is so true. And I noticed the same when I took morphine and uh, codeine by itself. And I always thought it would make me high, but it didn't. No. When you take it for pain, it just relieves the pain. Exactly. So that yeah. that is quite interesting. And I would like to go a little bit more into it, how you got the, uh, the marijuana. And you probably learned a lot about all those issues and how to deal with them mm-hmm. and how your children dealt with it. Uh, and we, we, I would like to ask you a little bit more on the second half of the show. Sure. And that brings us to the end of the first half of today's broadcast. Uh, please tune in after the commercial break with more with Laurie Carpen. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOEFM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm talking with Lori Kerbman. And in the first half, we were talking about her struggle with Crohn's disease and how she found relief with different ways. And interestingly, she's uh, also using marijuana. And I wanted to go a little bit more into that because that is something that everybody's interested in. Sure. And marijuana can be very beneficial if used correctly. Absolutely. And I I just want to share a little word of caution that I can share because my son, uh, in our family, there's a tendency to uh, for paranoid uh, schizophrenia. So my son got into uh, marijuana heavy when he was 16. And it ended up for him to triggering his schizophrenia. So for people that have in their family history schizophrenia or related diseases, they should avoid marijuana. Absolutely. But for everybody else, it may be an option. For me, I wouldn't want to smoke it because I don't like to smoke. But the option to take the oil or take uh, edibles is great. Oh, yeah, there's, and the edibles are really good mm. because, believe it or not, cannabis actually marries very well with chocolate. Yeah. They actually taste very good together. And, um, and also with caramel. So, um, you know, I buy edibles. I have these, um, these, you know, cookies, these white chocolate cookies. Mm. There's brownies. There's little gummy bears. Um, you know, they come in, I mean, edibles just come in all different shapes and sizes. That sounds um, really good. Just if somebody yeah. has small children, beware because they tend to eat that and it's not good for them. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, ideally, that's something that you would put away in a box on a top shelf in your kitchen somewhere sure. where, you know, like, where your like kids would be able to reach it. medications, what it is, medication. That's right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm interesting, 
I'm interested what will happen when marijuana gets legalized soon here in Canada and more people try out the edibles maybe too and uh, without the precautions. I hope there will be not too many accidents. Yeah, you know, even though it's going to come out for recreational use, mm. I don't think, you know, I think that the people that are still going to use it most and that the people, you know, who use it for mm. recreational use, they they know, yeah. you know, they're much more educated about, you know, about the foods and the edibles and the stuff like that. So I don't think that there's going to be sort of this big, um, you know, mass rush um, no, to I buy marijuana so once it becomes legal. No, I, I just think it will uh, help to eliminate all the underground businesses. Yeah. yeah, and the advantage of that is because when you're buying from the underground, you don't really know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can't be guaranteed that it's 100% pure. That's true, and, you yeah. Know, and so it's really, you know, where you buy it is really important. And it may be too that they then say, oh, if you like that, try this, and then I give you some other drug that maybe is more has more damaging potential. Yeah, but, but typically, marijuana users... Do not no. upgrade yeah. and, you know, and start using cocaine and heavier drugs. It's not, you know, it's, it does happen mm-hmm. sometimes, but for the most part, uh, marijuana users stay marijuana users. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily escalate. That's more, you know, in the, in the teenager years, but it certainly as a grown-up. Yeah. Um, you know, the, and especially those using it for medical purposes are not going to escalate to using cocaine, no, for no, example. No, no, no. For medical purposes, certainly not. Right. And I, th- I, I, I really think it will be very interesting to see all that develop. And I think it was a good decision to do that in the first place. But Yeah. And I wanted to go back a little bit. When you were first diagnosed with Crohn's disease, you said you had a... Sh- severe struggle with uh, your bowels and couldn't work for a year or two and that is a pretty big transition yes and I remember when I had to give up my work because my back gave out I fell in a deep deep hole I was so depressed that I tried to commit suicide and uh, I was here in Canada then with my two teenage sons after my ex had committed suicide which didn't help Oh, God, no. And it was quite a hard time. And I wondered, most people uh, experience a profound loss when they get really sick and have to give up what they love to do. Yeah, and that, you know, that certainly was the case for me. I mean, you know, I had been someone who I'd been very active. I work out. I ran every day. Mm. Um, you know, I had quite an active life. And here I went from having, you know, and I, I you know, had a, I owned a chain of restaurants at the time. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was working. I was very successful. I was practicing law. And, um, and you know, all of a sudden I just got cut down. And you and, also did public um, speaking quite a lot. Yes, I do. I do a lot of public speaking. Yeah, and that involves traveling often. Yes, but you see, it's like anything else. You know, Mm. I think that when you get diagnosed with a disease, you Mm. sort of find a new normal. So your life changes, um, but eventually you sort of settle in Mm. and you get a routine and you get a better understanding of what your flares are and how the disease works in you. Um, And so I know for myself, the most important thing for me is sleep. So, you know, I make sure I go to bed at 10 o'clock every night. So I make sure that I get Mm. proper sleep because for me, I know that that is my number one trigger is that I start to get sick if I'm, you know, if I haven't been sleeping well. Um, Most people are like that and they actually 
actually now found that the most important thing to fix when somebody is depressed for any cause is to sleep better. Absolutely, because if you know you need to have that mm -hmm. deep restorative sleep. Yes, definitely. You know, that's, that's the most important thing, um, you know, and your body takes the time to heal. And sometimes we have sleeping. so much stress that we can't sleep just because of that. So stress management and sleep management, I think, go hand in hand. And sometimes there's medication needed to actually get you to sleep. Yeah. Well, you know, I went through this period. I mean, I was just devastated. Mm. My whole life had changed. And at the same time um, that I was diagnosed, I was in the middle of a divorce and my mother had passed away. Mm. And it was the worst time in my life and I like you I just I fell into this black yes. hole and I was suicidal and mm. I just didn't see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel mm. and so you know I was treated at the time I mm. was treated for a major depressive episode yes. and it saved my life you Save know and, you. and you know my ex-husband used to say things to me if I was upset he'd say oh go take your happy pills <laughs> you know he was one of those people that was really skeptical he didn't understand he thought people who suffered from depression were just weak mm. um, and so it made it very very difficult I mean I was on medication for a year before he actually found out that I was on medication I didn't tell him because I knew what he would say oh, wow. he would say well you're just weak you just can't cope you're weak you're lazy that's what I yeah. got told yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and so you know that's why I never told him But, you know, certainly it's something that I had to do for myself, and it, it saved my life. Yeah, for me it was, it was similar. I spent four weeks here in the mental hospital, and uh, then I got into the day hospital. And I must say that saved my life at the time. And I'm glad yep. now that I'm able to function with way less medication. But when you take medication like that for 20 years, you can't just stop. That's right. So that's important to say, too, to... Uh, patients or clients that might be taking psychiatric medications do not stop by yourself you'll get even sicker than you were before oh that's for sure i mean if you just you know these are the kinds of things that you have to sort of wean yourself mm. off with you know with your doctor over a period of time because if you just stop you're going to crash definitely so, you know because your body is used to having it yes so it takes time you know your body has not been producing its own serotonin or whatever the neurotransmitter is mm. because the medication has been helping it and so it takes time for, for your own brain body to, to kick back. in and start making those hormones so you can't just jump off um, antidepressant medication, you'll, it'll make you totally sicker. So to go to the light at the end of the tunnel before the show is over, <laughs> to give sure. my listeners a little happy outlook, I know now you're very successful working again, and I hope happy again. Absolutely. Mm. You know, for me, like I say, it took me about two to three years until I finally understood how the disease works for me. Mm -hmm. And now that I understand that, I'm able to build my schedule um, around my disease. And mm -hmm. I'm able to, you know, to do certain things and to make sure that, you know, I'm up an hour early in the morning if I need to go out so that I make sure that I have time to empty my bowels before I leave the house. Yes. And, um, you know, once I've done that, I'm okay. I'm careful about what I eat when I'm mm -hmm. not at home. Um, and, you know, and it's become now, it's just, it's just what my life is. It's, it's, you know, they call you develop a new normal. And so this yes. is just my normal life now. It's different than it was before, but it's my normal life and I've adjusted to it. And it, you know, doesn't, you know, it doesn't sort of affect me or depress me in any way because mm -hmm. 
I've, you know, I've created a life around my disease. And it's been, um, I had surgery over 10 years ago. I had Mm -hmm. bowel resection surgery and Mm -hmm. like knock wood, I've been, you know, healthy ever since. So, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm in remission. I have been for about five years. And uh, I'm working again. I work at home. So if I have a day where I'm not feeling well, I can rest. But I work at home. I have a very successful management consulting practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an executive coaching practice. I work with um, entrepreneurs um, who want to get to the next level. And in particular, with people who are in transition, mm-hmm. um, I help them, you know, to, to get sort of their life plan and their and their plan for their business together. No, Laurie, and, uh I wanted to end the show with this positive outlook and uh, thank you very, very much for sharing. It uh, is very interesting to hear about that other people find their light at the end of the tunnel too. And if you're stuck, as I said in the beginning, uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel for everybody. I firmly believe that. And uh, I just want to say if anybody has any questions, comments, thoughts or suggestions or if you would like to contact Laurie my email here is christine at communityradio.ca and I'm always grateful for any thank back feedback now thank you so much Laurie for being on the show it was a very interesting show at least for me and I hope for you too and uh, as I said thank you again It was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, and I welcome to your listeners. If they need somebody to speak to, they can certainly feel free to get in touch with me. It would be my pleasure to help anybody that I can. Thank you so much. And I also want to extend a special thank you to today's producer, Jim Francis. You might not know this, but this is a volunteer-run non-profit radio station, and we even have an art gallery. Oh, wow. Yeah, and if people are local and you'd like to drop in, we are in Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOEFM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day. All that stuff right away.